Welcome to the Illuminati Podcast live from beautiful South Tampa inside the patio. Oh, guys, it's great to be back. Football less than 48 hours away. And more importantly, well, equally as important, like 1A, 1B. We've got a sponsor now. Ladies and gentlemen, so, uh, Eddie Leonard of Matrix Hormones has joined us as our sponsor for the first half of the podcast this year. Eddie, welcome to the Bluminati Podcast. Thanks for having me, boys. All right. So Eddie and I have been friends and fraternity brothers for almost 20 years at this point, I believe. We're very old. Um, we are here because uh, we basically take on sponsors because then we feel bad when we don't do an episode. Um, this is what really inspires us because it's like, oh, we really have to do something. Um, we want to thank our previous sponsor, RP Electrical Solutions, for all they did. Uh, it was a very successful partnership and continue to support them at? A13-426-6592. That's right. <laughs> uh, but Matrix Hormones. Eddie, tell us a little bit about Matrix Hormones before we get into your diehard, uh, insane USF football fandom, which is probably as much as the rest of us. Thank you, Colin. So Matrix Hormones is really catered towards mostly men. Uh, and, and it's for those guys who are happen to be feeling a little burned out, a little tired and not like they did when they were 19 anymore. So the biggest product we sell is testosterone amongst other things like, uh, rectile dysfunction medication and whatnot. But so we measure testosterone in, in how much you have of it in your blood. And a normal individual might have between 300 and 900 milligrams per deciliter. And that's really boring, but when you're 18, it's, it's closer to 900. And when you're 48, it's closer to 300. And, and you wonder why you hate your job. You're not as motivated to have intimacy <laughs> with, with your spouse. And, and, and so we, our goal is to not put you outside of ordinary medical boundaries. It's really just to put you right where you were in a healthy level, maybe feel a little bit younger. We, we do medical weight loss amongst other things, but that's, that's our primary focus. So we're here to help you make you look better and sex better. That's why that's Matrix Hormone, right? That's what we're here for. In a in a nutshell, in yes. In a nutshell, we're here to. So again, Matrix Hormones, and we'll give you all the details here for the next this weekend, uh, through I believe the next through the midpoint of the season at least, and if not beyond. Um, but Eddie, you are as diehard a USF football fan as I know. You travel uh, with this team as much as anyone. Um, you saw the KJ Sales news today. Uh, I assume you're as excited as the rest of us are because we, we are thinking about doing celebratory shots here in just a little bit. I'm in, and there's nothing like the 11th hour announcement to psych up a team as it is now. He already made the uh, two deep roster, and I'm sure we're going to see more than him, more of him than even on the second deep. So I'm thrilled, and, and I can't wait for that that spike of uh, an injection to the arm, if you will, of, of what's going <laughs> to come to USF Athletics. And again, if you're looking for injections, Matrix Hormones. No, I'm kidding. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, are you going to Georgia Tech? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not. I have an uh, alternative agenda on that weekend. I'm traveling for for, for leisure, but I'm my, my away game I'm going to this year is Navy. We will all be. I think the Navy crowd is going to be. A lot of us went four years ago for Navy, and those of us who went had such a good time. I think we've told everybody. I know people are renting Airbnbs uh, in Annapolis, really making a weekend out of it. It's going to be a heck of a trip. So I think if you're not able to get to Georgia Tech, I think most of the fans are going to do Navy as their big away game this year. Um, but if you are going to Georgia Tech, keep an eye on us because we're going to have 
some announcements as about where to go. The Alumni Association is doing a party from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. in downtown, uh, I guess about a mile from the stadium, about a mile from Georgia Tech. We are going to have a little follow-up party because after the show is the after party. And the after party will be at a uh, establishment in the hotel. It is not in a hotel lobby, although we this is not a joke. We almost rented the rooftop of the Claremont Lounge to have a, a podcast live from there. And we thought that would be a little uncomfortable and probably not appropriate. So we're not going to do that. Um, but we, uh, we're going to have a pod um, uh, or, a, excuse me, possibly a pod, but at least a get-together. That will be after the Alumni Association party. So figure around 730 in George Tech. We'll come up. We'll give you guys details on that later this week. Um, but I'm going to check out of here. Because I haven't seen any of the practice, and Steve has, and we only have four microphones. Um, but Eddie, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you, Vito. We have five microphones, sir. Oh well, my foot hurts. All right. Well, Colin alluded to it. KJ Sales, a uh, little bit over, oh, maybe two hours ago. Uh, I was leaving work, about to get in the elevator, and boom! Head coach Charlie Strong tweeted. He himself. <laughs> Definitely that was him. Definitely Charlie Strong tweeted this news out. It was not anyone else. It was definitely Charlie himself. He constantly refreshes his Twitter feed. KJ Sales, UNC transfer, East Bay product, Bay made, immediately eligible after uh, a very, very long, drawn-out waiver process. And uh, couldn't be more excited for the potential of him and Mike Hampton uh, locking down the outside. 813 Island, what, what? Let's go. Hashtag 813 Island, even though KJ's from the 727, but I won't. It's we okay. count it. We'll count it. Bay made, Bay returned? Yeah. It's yeah. Bay area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so with KJ Sales uh, being eligible, that moves Bentley Sanders to the nickel spot, and that defensive secondary could be tops in the conference at least. And uh, I know it probably won't affect us much against Wisconsin. Um, we'll get into that when we talk to Seth Varnador, our newest writer. Uh, but having lockdown corners allows defense, especially uh, blitzing defenses and exotic schemes, to be able to do a lot more creatively when they don't have to worry about over-the-top safety help. Um, but this is awesome news. Um, but I'm pumped. Who else is pumped? Steve, I, your thoughts? I've been, I've been so pumped about, I mean, for anyone who's been following my Twitter account for the last, uh, probably week now, I've been basically counting down the hours on when KJ would get eligible. And I think all of us, when we did the, the TDS group post and we've all been saying it is if KJ is eligible, that's a huge difference maker, whether or not our defense is going to be really successful or manageable. You know, he really provides a, a wrinkle in that secondary to, have Mike Hampton or KJ. I, I want to kind of compare this to my hometown of Jacksonville Jaguars. It's like having AJ Bouye and Jalen Ramsey as your two corners. Like no one wants to throw against that. Like that's, that's terrifying to, to throw up against, you know, we're going to hope that our, our rush defense will improve from last year, but man, it certainly helps when you got good corners like that. Absolutely. Uh, Seth Varnador, you're our newest writer. Uh, you've seen him kind of break down the USF offense and completely break down what Wisconsin loves to do offensively and defensively. Uh, what what does this do schematically for a defense when you have two guys on the outside who can kind of lock it down and allow you to do more things? Well, I think when you look at 
Charlie Strong's past, when he's had two good corners, like I, what comes to mind for me is that 08 Florida team. He had Hayden on one side and Janoris Jenkins on the other side. And they were able to go out. And that's probably one of his better defenses he's ever had. So when you have those two guys, it allows you to do so much more schematically, not just playing more man coverage, but you can you can start playing mixes of man and zone, which just watching USF last year, they like to do that a little bit where they'll man up the guy outside and then everybody else will play zone. Um, it allows you to blitz a little bit more, which is going to be something that's going to be key, I think, Friday with that rushing attack, getting some run blitzes and stuff like that. And it just makes everything a little bit more difficult uh, on the quarterback because if you're not giving receivers free releases, if you can get up in their face and cover those guys, then you know, you're not going to get those free access throws and the easy throws. You're going to have to hit stuff in, in the small windows, and that makes it life a lot more difficult. Uh, Eddie, as a fan, um, you know, you mentioned it at the top. It's kind of a jolt for the fan base. What, what? I mean, it's been two hours, but what's your immediate reaction to, all right, we've got this guy in. It's been He's been having a fantastic fall camp. He's here. Let's go. So my, mine is branding and, and – and, and we had our bull shark d- defense with Willie Taggart. Can we we name KJ Sales and, and Mike Campton Beer Can Island for the man coverage we're about to see <laughs> to have our, our exotic packages on defense that might be able to compete with with some serious offenses to slow them down? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. <clears throat> That's pretty good. Um, on the other, the flip side of the good news train, the bad news train uh, a couple nights ago. Uh, I was able to confirm uh, linebacker Nico Sotel is out indefinitely with basically the same injury that kept them out the final seven games of the 2018 season. And that was one of the keys to this this upcoming year. So, all right, if Nico is healthy, we may be able to see a different defense now. And without him being out there on Friday night, especially against Jonathan Taylor and that potent rushing tackle Wisconsin, we're going to need to see some sort of linebacker combination rotation kind of step up you have the oklahoma state transfer and patrick macon who is a huge guy like he's got like 20 25 pounds on nico already as a mike linebacker um he was a juco player of the year uh before he transferred to oklahoma state so he's got the bulk he's more i think he's more augie than nico um so i think that may help but the guy that he pairs next to him, uh, either whether it's Dwayne Bowles or Andrew Mims or whomever, they're gonna we're gonna need to see something from the linebackers, uh, being able to drop into coverage, being able to fill the gaps that Nico was able to do because he was fantastic last year before he was hurt. Yeah, I think 42 tackles, seven and a half sacks in six games. He was a playmaker on defense. Um, and that's going to be the key for this season. If finding finding someone to replace Nico for however long he's out, and uh, that could prove difficult. Uh, Coach BJ has said that he feels comfortable with seven or eight linebackers uh, compared to like the three or four from last season. But being comfortable and actually doing well on the field are two different things. Um, Seth, what have you seen? Uh, from Wisconsin offensively that may give the Bulls trouble, you know, the in the front seven, per se? What they do really well in the run game is they're, they're kind of a base zone run team. They run inside zone, outside zone, and they'll come back with some gap stuff, which is basically I'm down blocking and pulling people. So your powers, your counters, that kind of stuff. But what makes them so good at zone is that 
Jonathan Taylor is really good at zone. And this is gonna this is gonna be one thing that gives the linebackers troubles, especially if they're not gap sound like Coach Strong talked about in his press conference on Monday. When that back presses the hole, you you saw in their in their bowl game last year against Miami, Taylor would press the hole, he'd get the linebacker to step up, and then he'd cut back and the linebacker would have to go through traffic and he couldn't make the play. And he and Taylor's strong enough to run through arm tackles. So I think just that zone scheme, what Wisconsin does well is they get guys up on the second level. Uh, Coach Strong talked about this as well, that needing those those D linemen to be able to get off blocks. Um, something some guys have done in the past against zone stuff is they just have the guy that's getting double teamed just pull both linemen down and they never call defensive holding. I don't know if they're going to be doing all that, but um, Wisconsin just, just kind of their base stuff. The run game gives you enough trouble, and then they come in and they'll add play action off of it. So once they get you filling your gap hard, now the quarterback pulls the ball out, and you usually have somebody running behind that vacant window created by linebacker movement. Absolutely. And the, that defensive line for USF, I believe, is going to be giving up around 30 to 35 pounds to the Wisconsin offensive line. Uh, I, I think the key here uh, is we, we've got the ends. I think Greg Reeves and Kirk Livingstone are guys you can build around and guys who have proven that they can play at this level. Um, Darius Slade from Arizona State and Ohio State, he's shown flashes. If we can get him kind of going again, uh, he may be a spark. But it's that interior defensive tackle spot that we haven't had any consistency since that 2017 season with Bruce Hector and Deidre Sanat, who unsurprisingly are both in the NFL, Bruce with Arizona Cardinals and Deidre with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's an or um, we got Kevin Kegler at one spot, and then there's an or with the other defensive tackle spot with Kelvin Pinckney or Blake Green. Now, Blake Green sat out last year after transferring from Northwestern State. Not Northwestern, Northwestern State. And he, he had a fantastic fall camp last year, and it looks like it's carried over to 2019 season. So we may have a couple guys who are either walk-ons, uh, non-scholarship players, like Blake Green, like uh, Bryce Miller on offense in the slot, you get a lot of run. And do we have the depth on the interior defensive line to stop a Wisconsin attack for four quarters on Friday night? Nate, I do have a question for you. We talked a lot about Blake Green last season, but he wasn't eligible last season. What was the reasoning behind that? Um, so there's some weird ass rules with the NCAA. Unsurprisingly, um, no matter what the like division you come from like if you go fcs to uh, fbs or d2 to fbs if you make that kind of jump if you're on scholarship you still have to sit out and that's what happened um with blake green he was on scholarship had to sit out a year to satisfy the ncaa transfer rules um i was always under the assumption if you jump from a much lower league to fbs you were automatically eligible but they've changed that in the last few years and here we are. You can go down for free, but I don't think you can go up. Yeah, you can go down as much as you want. If you don't mind going back to the Nico Sautel issue, that that for me is that's a leader of our defense, and and the team buys in, and that's that's really most important. And and I I'm grateful to have Macon, but I I really feel like this is our biggest area of concern, especially in in week one of what we address because it's so un- unknown really on, on how we're going to respond yeah. and, and and discipline is our second biggest issue we're, we're not wrapping up tackles we're, we, we made a lot of mistakes but but I, I know that 
this year we uh, we have the opportunity to say that we're we're all happy, we're having fun, and I know mental mistakes go down when when it when it's a pleasure to pay, play. And and I hope that I see a different defense this year than I did the last half of last season. But Nico Sautel missing not only is his uh, as a statistical leader on the defense was definitely the emotional leader. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw last year when Craig Reeves had a slide over to middle linebacker. Just the defense was kind of in shambles because he was literally learning on the fly. Um, his first game as a starter, I believe, was at Houston, and he started playing middle linebacker the Monday before the game. Um, he had 89 tackles, but kind of never really fit into the scheme. Um, and I was going to add, it's, it, it is concerning to not have Nico, but I think this is the first time since last season during that skid that we have two actual linebackers playing linebacker. You know, no discredit to Khalid McGee by any stretch of the imagination, but the guy was a safety. You know, he's, he's, not, a, he's not a linebacker size-wise. You know, he was a little bit beefier of a safety than you would normally want, but now that we have Dwayne Bowles, who thankfully is, has beefed up a little bit, hopefully has taken the offseason to you know, really learn and, and dissect an offense when you're, you know, sitting behind a defensive line like that. You know, if we can get Dwayne Bowles to kind of sit into that role that we've been so desperately needing to have, you know, now we have Patrick Macon who's going to fill that gap as like a big guy. But if Dwayne Bowles' intelligence is there, now you got a smart will linebacker and a, and a strong, you know, Sam linebacker. Or, well, technically he's a Mike, but, you know, when you have those two linebackers who are true linebackers and know how linebackers work, that can do nothing but benefit us. And uh, and so I'm, I'm excited to see. That's my player to watch for this Wisconsin game, not to get too far ahead of the whole program, but Dwayne Bowles is playing up against probably the biggest offensive line he's ever going to face in his career, barring he goes to the NFL. Is he going to be able to hit the hole hard? Is he going to be able to make the plays that he needs to do? Is he going to step up and hit Jonathan Taylor? Because I saw flashes of that last year, the Elon game and the Houston game and a few other games here and there. I need him to do that consistently week in and week out if he wants to be that true Will linebacker. Now, did Nico participate in spring? No, yeah. he was out, so that, out all, that, all spring. I mean, that's kind of it's, it's kind of a silver lining, I guess, of it would be that they got to evaluate the defense without him all spring. So it's hard to fix on the fly in the middle of a season, but maybe through spring having that, those guys really have that kind of experience, and hopefully that will benefit the team now that he's going to miss some time. So. Yep. Um, and I think, especially, we've heard a lot from Kirk Livingstone um, this summer. He was up in Newport again. Uh, he's been kind of turning into a vocal leader on the defensive line. He's mentioned it multiple times. He's like, well, I've, you know, it's my senior year. I've got to step up and be the vocal guy. Uh, it wasn't usually his role, but he's kind of embraced it. And uh, if if we can get something out of that defensive line, especially on the inside, there's a decent chance we can have uh, a good game. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna bottle up Jonathan Taylor, but if you hold him to under 200 yards, you've probably had a pretty damn good game. Um, I think under 300, we're in it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, that's that's possible. I think uh, they lost games last year rushing for like 250. It's more like how many attempts he had. Okay, I think. Because he's going to get his, but any game where they're over like 25 pass attempts, they have a lot more trouble. There'll be games where, like the Miami game last year, they ran the ball. I think they threw the ball like 12, 15 times, 12 to 15, kind of in that range. And they ran the ball in 97% of first downs. It's 
So if, if they can run on you, it's going to be a long night. But if you can make them throw a little more, I think he's probably going to get his yardage. But if you can cut down on how many attempts he has just through how you manage the game and hopefully make some plays, I think that may be the kind of key yeah. to slowing him down. And speaking of passes versus rushes, how do we feel about their starter being Cone, who we have heard has had run but has issues, couldn't have beaten at Hornybrook versus um, Graham Mertz, who is this highly touted blue chip uh, quarterback. Do we feel a little better that eh, they're not going to give it to the kid? When I, I watched, I ended up watching a lot of Wisconsin games from last year. And uh, Hornybrook, I thought, now he's gone, so it doesn't really matter, but I thought he kind of held them back a little bit. The games I watched, I thought Cone played pretty well, especially uh, Purdue. They had to throw the ball a little bit more. He played pretty well. Um, he played pretty well in the bowl game. He didn't have to do a ton, but he made some throws and managed the offense pretty well. So I, my, I was under the impression that he would be an upgrade. Kind of hearing what, just kind of doing research on what their fans thought. Their fans kind of held them in similar regard, I think. So I'm not quite sure what you're going to get, but I thought in the games I watched that he knew where to go with the ball for the most part, and he got it out of his hands pretty quickly, and he did a pretty good job managing the offense. Now. He wasn't the starter until Hornibrook got knocked out, and I watched a few games, and I thought he was not very good at all, and he was missing stuff that I thought would be like, just watching it, this is definitely his first read, and he's not even looking at it. And so, I don't know. He couldn't he couldn't beat Hornibrook until the injury, so it's hard to say, but I thought he was pretty talented and not bad. But I, I don't know, kind of, I really don't know anything about the freshman uh, other than he was highly touted, but there's a lot of those that come out every year, so... So maybe there's a part of it that's football IQ, and he's he's played at this level where this this uh, he was a five star, right? The freshman coming in, I think I think it was five, a four yeah. or five, depending on where you went yeah, on your service. <laughs> so I, I really think that the opportunity to see and, and feel football sometimes transcends physical skill until until they have the ability to have the vision of what what football is at that level. It feels like you won't get, you know, Zach Caleros with a guy you don't know what's going to what they're going to do, oh. and it's someone who's going to probably manage the game a little better. But if they can be two dimensional at all, it's going to be a very long night. Well, they yeah. have really good skill guys outside of Taylor. Their receiver, they have like four or five, I thought, really good receivers. That's what was kind of frustrating watching them. They have a bunch of guys that can play tight end. They had a fullback that was a stud last year. I think he's playing with the Raiders now. But there was, they had four or five, I thought, really good receivers, and they just couldn't get the ball to them last year. Um, so they're going to be tough to deal with if if Cohen can play at all. Those guys are going to be tough. Now, having those two corners ready to go is going to help a lot, but they, they have guys that can play on the outside. They're not just kind of a big, slow team that just mashes you. They have some dudes out there, too. All right. Uh, you know, flipping the script a little bit, uh, we've kind of buried the lead a little bit. Um, USF offense has uh, revamped, remodeled. Uh, there's a new engine, uh, at, new paint job, new rims. Uh, it's exciting times here. Uh, and we have a Kerwin Bell disciple yeah. on our staff. Who? That's right. And it's not you. I can tell it's you not that. Me. I can <laughs> tell you that. I mean, Seth, you played for Kerwin in high school. You played with uh, with John Brantley, right? Yes. Uh, you know, if. You guys know John Brentley was a uh, former Gatorade Player of the Year. I yeah, think. Gatorade National Player of the Year, uh, four or five star, depending on the service. He was, he was legit. Went to Florida. Had uh, to follow in a discipleship position uh, after Tim Tebow. Yeah, yeah literally. Tough so, act to follow. It is a tough act to follow. Um, 
but you, uh, when John was a sophomore and you were a senior, you guys split time. Yep. Did really well in Kerwin's offense. Um, what? What have you seen from what I mean? The spring game, you did a fantastic breakdown of the spring game, and uh, what what should we expect from this USF offense? And uh, what are the keys for this offense to kind of move the ball? Well, I think Blake kind of mentioned it when he spoke to the media Monday. Uh, Kerwin does a really good job of accentuating his players' strengths and playing to their strengths. I think one thing that may surprise people is he'll probably be more balanced than they think. I think a lot of them think he's just going to come in and throw the ball every down, every play. He's he's a pretty balanced guy. They do some creative stuff in the run game as well as the pass game. Uh, we, I mean, we were doing no huddle when I was playing in high school, kind of before the craze happened. We were playing no huddle uh, before it kind of trickled up to the college level. But he's gonna he's gonna. He's got a diverse scheme. It's a lot of pro-style passing stuff. There's pro-style run stuff in there, but he's mixed in more spread and that kind of thing through the years. And I think he's probably going faster than he ever has. Um, We were going pretty quick, and it was mostly so he could just get people lined up and then switch the play if he wanted to. But uh, one thing about him, regardless of scheme, is he is really, really fun to play for. He's really confident and it kind of rubs off on the players. So I think some of the positive vibes you're getting, especially from the offense, is from him. He's not afraid. And uh, I know he talked to you guys about that previously, about no fear of failure. He's really – he doesn't care. He's just going to do what he thinks is going to work. If it doesn't work, he's going to figure out something else that will work. He's really – a really – he's probably the best coach I've ever been around. And um, I got a cup of coffee around Spurrier. So Kerwin is by far – the favorite coach I ever played for, and he kind of reinstilled a love of football in me, which I think you're kind of seeing with other guys that are playing on offense. I, so if you don't mind, one thing that um, I really noticed about, about great coaching is they don't play to lose. And, and last year when, when we were playing against Temple, we were up 17 nothing, two minutes left in the half, and we had the ball at midfield and we had another opportunity to strike. Coaches said, but let's set this one out. Let's go to halftime. Let's take the, the safe approach. And we ended up losing the game. And that's just that's anecdotal. But I, I feel like you need that cutthroat nature in coaching where Willie Taggart, we're up three or four touchdowns against UCF three years ago. And in, in the last 30 seconds, we're going to go for it on fourth down and get that, that, that extra touchdown. And especially in the G5, I feel like it's critical that you have to make exclamation points on offense. And so what really, really attracted me to Kerwin Bell was one of his press conferences. He came up and said, look, I, I, I didn't take this job for any other reason except for I'm going to have full reign and I'm not going to slow down. And I really hope that's the case. I really don't want to come in 17 nothing against Teppel with two minutes left at midfield and I say, okay, we're doing good enough. Let's go back in halftime so we can lose 21-17. Well, he's always said that he would never be a coordinator. He, he wants to do things his way. So if he's here, I think he got some promises that he would be able to do things exactly how he wanted. And just speaking to his aggressiveness, kind of the same, a similar situation. If you watch the national championship game from last year, uh, Valdosta State has the ball late in the game where they could just run the clock out, and he decides to take a shot downfield, and he gets killed by the the, uh, the announcers for it. But he thought he had a good play, and they took a shot. They still ended up winning the game, but the announcers were killing him because it was unconventional. But he's aggressive. If he's got a chance to deliver that knockout blow, I think he's going to do it. So I think that's you'll probably enjoy watching him, Motomac. Yeah, I, I agree whole, whole, wholeheartedly. Uh, 
when Colin and I spoke to him uh, down in the Selman Center, it, just the positive vibes uh, just kind of permeated through the entire building. And I think if anyone you talk to inside USF Athletics will tell you the exact same thing. There is a completely different vibe around this team this year. Now, off-season vibes are great because you haven't lost anything yet. But if you lose against Wisconsin, which I would put that at a greater than 50% chance that that's a very distinct possibility, does that doubt start to creep back in? All right, we're on a seven-game losing streak dating back to last season. Now we have to go on the road to Georgia Tech against a team admittedly not that skilled, but still they they still have power five guys. Um, Jeff Collins is kind of turning around that program completely. Does that doubt start to creep in? You know, does does those feel good time feelings escape and kind of go away? Are we back in that 2018 rut that we were in? I think this kind of has credit to, and I I know we all kind of talk about strong being. Well, I talk to him as the CEO of the team. You know, he, he kind of gives free reign over to Kerwin Bell, hopefully. You know, he kind of calls his defense every once in a while, but it, it seems like he gives more of like the executive play calls every once in a while and lets his coordinators do the business, which is where I think that this is a completely different team from last year because now we got some positive vibes coming in the backfield with these coaches. You know, on the sideline, when these guys have are given up and our coaches are given up against Houston, against Tulane, against UCF, against that whole like, against Temple more than especially the coaches were giving up on the sideline you know those coaches and those players we got rid of and i say got rid of loosely but those coaches and players that left in the offseason there's a reason why coach strong felt like it was necessary for us to have a a clean house you know those those guys that were frankly toxic to the program were bringing down the program at the same time you know they were they were the ones that not giving max effort on on plays and and that really can bring down the team from top to bottom especially when you don't have that senior leadership now we have this in your leadership. I don't think that this team is going to get bogged down by a loss. I think that this team is going to, you know, say, okay, you know, Wisconsin, yeah, we could have played better. We could have stopped the run better. That's in the past. Let's focus on Georgia Tech. Let's get re-laser focused. Let's get re-sight line. This is one week at a time. You know, I, I, I think a lot of the times a lot of people will think of the season as a, as a whole nutshell. But realistically, and I'll credit our, our neighbors in Oviedo on this one, you, you've got to play week to week. You can't look at what happened last week. You've got to look at what's happening the week after. You can build upon mistakes. You can try to fix things here and there. But when it comes down to it, when we when that scoreline goes zero against Wisconsin, let's go look at Georgia Tech. Let's go see how we can stop that. Let's go see what we can do there. You know, when we get to conference play, you know, if we go up to, uh, if we go up to East Carolina, we beat East Carolina, great. Let's turn around. Let's focus on the next game. Let's not focus on UCF. Let's not focus on Temple. Let's not focus on anyone else. Cincinnati's next on the score. Let's go. You know, that's that's the vibe that I'm getting from Kerwin Bell. He's a smart head coach. You know, Steve Ellis, smart defensive back coach. Brian Hill, seems like he knows what he's doing. He was a disciple under Charlie Strong at Texas. You know, Strong might have fallen on his ass with Lamar Jackson. That was a well-coached team throughout the entire season while he was at hey, Louisville. But, you know, I'll, I'll let you have that point there. <laughs> it's Teddy Bridgewater. But that's Sorry. all right. <laughs> I was getting there. If yeah, I might add, I, I, was, I feel I like the only the vibe there. The only focus for the season should not be Wisconsin or Georgia Tech or South Carolina State. None of those games ultimately matter if we never win a conference championship. 
and it, and that has to be our, our primary objective mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, you know. Coach Strong sat down with Spectrum Sports 360 uh, host Chris Torello and said that exact same thing. Um, It's on Twitter. If you've seen it, check it out. Uh, It's a really good piece. Charlie says, we have to win a conference championship. It's something we have not done. That is our goal. It will always be our goal. Um, I don't don't want – he said, I don't want to put – uh, win total, you know, I need to win eight games. We need to win nine games because if we fall short, then it looks even worse. We Our goal is to win a champion, uh, conference championship, and I think that's what – they think they can win a conference championship this year. How realistic that is is up for debate, especially in the East with Cincinnati, with UCF, and with Temple, who I, their coach is probably not great. Uh, Rod Carey from North – uh, Northern Illinois is there now. Who knows? But they're still Temple guys. Isaiah Wright is one of the scariest punt returners in the in the uh, NCAA, especially with Tony Pollard gone from Memphis. He took a punt back against USF and kind of flipped the game around at Temple. Uh, there's still talent there. And then the West, Memphis, Houston, they're all going to be good. Um, Tulane. Tulane, I mean... Fritz must come early is uh, a refrain you'll be hearing a lot. I think they're going to be really good this year. Uh, they got a Memphis guy, uh, Will Hall, their tight ends coach, is now their new OC. So they're going to still run triple option ish, yes. but they're going to be more up tempo out of the shotgun. I think we'll, it's going to be a different American um, conference this season. And if we've got the bodies for it, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, but again, you know, moving Johnny Ford out to the slot, the guys behind him, Eddie McDoom, Bryce Miller, the, the walk-on transfer, they've had great falls. Um, Stanley Clairvaux, I think he's on his 15th year here. I think he is. Uh, he's got a Ph.D., an M.D. I think he's a lawyer as well. Um, Ed, we'll see how long that lasts, but he's had a good enough camp. Looking forward to Terrace Horn. Terrence Horn's going to be big. Um, if he can come back, it's always just about getting hit. Uh, the last time I saw him um, was at One Buck Place when they were pla- practicing in the indoor facility. And I want, I'm like 98% sure he's still wearing that red non-contact jersey. Um, it's all about getting hit after you come back from an injury, especially from a knee injury. It's how do you respond to the hit. And we'll find out here soon enough. Um, but we're not a full year back from his injury but close enough where i think i mean coach strong said we he'll play so we'll find out i was gonna say don't rush him into special teams yet i i uh i have a few co-workers who were asking you know is he gonna be the kick returner is he gonna be the punt returner uh, not yet I, I don't think that's the smart decision for him you know kickoff returns is where he would most likely re-injure or re-aggravate that acl trying to do some quick cuts you know i i think you know, probably wait until after the South Carolina State came to get him back returning kicks. You know, mm-hmm. I think Bentley Sanders can do an excellent job back there. He, he showed flashes of being able to break open into the open field. Um, you know, I, I would love for Terrence Horde to take a kick back against Wisconsin and, you know, get us get us ahead of the of the of the, of the curve. But I, I would rather not risk another ACL injury when, you know, we can play him in, po- in conference play. Um, but there is one question that I had, and Nate, we can probably cut this as well. Logan Berryhill, um, he he seemed like he was one of those guys that can kind of come in and replace Stanley Clairvaux. I I like his size. I like his effort and everything like that. He kind of gave that weird, vague tweet 
Yeah, apparently he was not able to practice yet, and then he was. And never really got full confirmation on that or clarification, I should say. Uh, but he's practicing. We'll see where he lands, I assume. Since it was a late start for him, he'll probably be a redshirt option. Uh, but there's another freshman, Xavier Weaver, um, who cracked the two deep. And um, from what I gather, uh, he's a good route runner and he's got ball skills and can separate. I think that fits really well into the Kerwin Bell offense, if uh, if you ask me. So I think we'll be all right. I think Randall St. Felix, um, I think his catch rate was like 54% last year as a redshirt freshman. Again, he pretty much just ran nines the entire season. So getting a route tree that's uh, a little bit more expansive may up that number. Um, so, I mean, he, he wore 84 for a reason because he thought he was Randy Moss and he showed that. He's wearing number five this year. Some shoes to fill. Kawika uh, Mitchell for your old heads. Uh, Marlon Mack. I mean, there's, there's some talent that's worn five in the history of USF football. And he's just the next man up, and we'll see. And then you can't forget about uh, Mitchell Wilcox at tight end, who Kerwin Bell said on uh, 95.3 FM today on, I think it was the Ron and Ian show, um, he's the best uh, tight end talent that I've ever had. It was either him or Charlie was on, but I can't remember. He said he was the best tight end talent I've ever had at any stop. So he's got it, size, speed, Great hair. You always need great hair sometimes. Um, I mean, it, there's a theory about quarterbacks. You kind of need a good-looking quarterback. Otherwise, they don't really have confidence in themselves. I think that's an old-school scout thing. Like, well, if he's not good-looking, uh, check out his girlfriend. If his girlfriend's ugly, man, he probably doesn't have confidence in himself. Do you want him to be your quarterback? Or boyfriend. Who knows? They're, you need to have confidence in yourself. And uh, I they're Mitch has it. Dudes. Blake definitely has it. Blake has been confident. I think he feels more confident, especially in this offense. I think he's on his 18th offensive coordinator, and it's like six and a half years of college. So he's he's basically run everything except for the flex zone. And the swinging um, gate. And the swinging gate. Yeah. Uh, but you never know. Uh, you know, bowl game, TJ Weiss may come out. We'll never know. So, back from the dead. so for your Tampa Bay Times subscribers, did you guys see the the the, the photo on the back of the, the newspaper today with Mitchell Wilcox? Yes, front and center on the sports page by uh, by Tampa Bay Times uh, columnist. I only subscribe to free uh, news sources like the Daily Stampede.com. So hey, it's, it's that's your. I'm going to I'm going to advise our, our listening community. We are fortunate to have a, a dedicated writing resource from our number one newspaper. And if you're not a Tampa Bay Times subscriber, you probably should be because if we weren't having um, subscribers, we couldn't have a dedicated resource on a, on a mainstream opportunity and, and, and promote ourselves in Tampa Bay. And I think that's a really big opportunity for us, even though I did not like I, I don't like Fennelly at all at all personally i can say that I, I, <laughs> the fan said it not anyone the on fan staff said it. I, I, i'm not associated with the daily stampede or or the bluminati podcast but he, he seems to be quite slanted and biased but i i really did appreciate that piece today and i appreciate the exposure it gave usf football and i'm grateful for that i mean to be fair friendly is a great writer if you get him on a roll he's fantastic um you ever pick his brain in the press box or hanging out uh at a basketball game, he's fantastic. So I will you give him that. Cut that if you want. Nah, that's all right. Um, so 
I mean, we've given our predictions in our daily stampede group. Pretty much everyone was around seven and five, eight and four, uh, nine and three. I think Vito said. I guess I'm the optimist here. I did not imagine that. I said eight and four with the like if USF beats Wisconsin, they could be eight and zero heading into November, where they face Temple, Cincinnati, Memphis at home, and then Black Friday against UCF. Uh, we could legitimately be eight and zero heading into a four game losing streak. If they split November two and two and end up ten and two, I am perfectly okay with that. But I'm I think the floor. I think eight and four is probably. I say it's the floor because I'm very optimistic about this team. Um, I think they could probably steal one or two, um, depending on how the hype surrounding Cincinnati. And I think I'm in the passenger seat on that hype train. Um, if Desmond Ritter can handle it, if Michael Warren can handle it, if Luke Fickle's guys who's recruited, you know, our sophomores and juniors now can handle uh, expectations because you know, last year against the week-ish schedule, they kind of did really, really well. Um, they've got a tough-ass schedule this year. I think they go to UCLA or they go to either. It's, I think, it's UCLA it's a, at home. Uh, okay, so UCLA's at home. They got Ohio State who, I mean, it's Ohio State. They're still going to be good. Um, I think they go to UCF. No, they play UCF at home. Oh, God, I'm getting Houston. No, you're they good. go to Houston. Yeah, they, they go, go to Houston. Houston. And uh, it'll be a toss-up. We'll, we'll, we'll really see. I think it's going to be a fun year. I think it's going to be a fun year for USF. Um, even if even if the record doesn't show it, I think even if we go 7-5 and five again or maybe even 8-4, and four, uh, I think the, you will see a improvement from pretty much every aspect of the team just because I cannot undersell this enough how much Sterling Gilbert sucked the life out of this team. All right, and I am not underselling this. He sucked the life out of this team. Um, this spring and this fall camp, there haven't been any players in our DM telling us, "Oh my God, this shit is terrible." Flashback a year ago, that's all we got. After almost every game, players were like, "Dude, I don't know. This shit sucks. I don't want to be here anymore. What are we doing?" So, I just that changing that mindset has been the key so far. Somebody hired. <laughs> Willingly. Somebody hired him. It'll Toledo, be the gift that keeps on giving. Willingly. <laughs> Michael Kelly's greatest move. <laughs> I, galaxy brain chess. That's what that was. That, that was, was insane. We were, all, we were all calling for his head after the Tulane game. We all wanted him to get fired, but no. Michael Kelly plays 3D galaxy chess while we're all sitting there playing checkers. So for the Wisconsin game, it's going to be a sellout in the lower bowl, it looks like. What we've heard. What's the one stat? If USF wins this game, what stat are we talking about next week? Probably here at the patio, how they won. Seth mentioned it in his story on the keys to win. I think the two that you brought up, yep. um, I think those are the two right there. Seth, what, The what Dave Marino turnovers and third downs are really big. If you win one, you still got a good shot to win the game. I mean, if you look back at – just look back at this last week zero – the Florida Miami game. Florida was, uh, I think they were what a seven point favorite, uh, but they turned the ball. Out. I think Miami was plus three in turnovers at the end of the game, and that's why the game was so tight down to the end because Florida turned the ball over going into score twice. If if USF wins the turnover battle, they've got a much better shot of winning the game. I think if you win by f- three or four, typically like Miami did, you, if you're up by four turnovers, it's a ninety percent. You win ninety percent of those games. 
So I think if you're up by three, it's like in the 70s. And uh, one, even one is like 60%. You give yourself a 60% chance to win if you only lead the turnover battle by one. So that's kind of a big key. That's kind of a general key in every game, though. Um, and I think third downs is probably really big in this game because if Wisconsin's converting a lot of third downs, that means they're probably in a lot of third and shorts and third mediums, which means they're probably running the ball really well, which is not a good uh, recipe for victory for USF. I've... I've got a statistic that I think is probably going to be the most useful. Coin flip. If we win and we score first, we're ahead of the curve on that. I think that's. I think the worst thing that can possibly happen in this game is if we have to chase Wisconsin down seven nothing before our offense can get on the field. You know, the the worst thing you can do is to have to either battle for having it being a tie game or just making up any sort of ground there. You know, I, I would hope to God that we can win that coin flip, score first, and let Wisconsin have to chase us, them, us chase them. Mine's yards per carry. And, and because of that, that's a way you create more mistakes and, and mental errors with turnovers or, or penalties that will keep them behind the chains, as well as give a third and long opportunity where you also keep them behind the chains. And, and I think that if, to agree with Stieg, if you if you don't if you are trying to chase down Wisconsin, it's over. You know it's 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 a, it's going to be a a battle that's not now. We're chasing for a long time. But I say yards per carry. Uh, I think I think it's going to be third down. If like Wisconsin's like eleven for eighteen on third down on Friday night, uh, you'll see the crowd leave early third quarter because it's going to be a blowout. Um, keep them under forty percent. Even 45% is a little dicey, but if you keep them under 40% on third down, uh, USF has a chance to do some good things. Um, And then on the flip side, USF has to convert third downs. They were terrible on third downs last year, especially during those final six games. Um, uh, Outside of Houston, I think they converted around 25 to 35% of their third downs, which is like UConn-level bad offensively. So if we can get that flipped around, we'll be all right. Uh, I went to that Houston game and saw Derek King convert on third and forever, third and a mile, fourth and seven for fourth, a touchdown. Fourth and uh, 24? Four, uh, Not a different game. Well, that was two years ago. That was two years ago. Uh, but, yeah, just, yeah, that's going to be bad. So we have some questions from the audience here. Okay. Um, so uh, we'll bring up our first. This is Mandy. Mandy is our first uh, uh, person. So, Mandy, go ahead and come on up. Hey, so I've been a uh, USF Bulls fan, a football fan, for about 13 years I've been coming with my brother. The problem I have is the, the halfback dive play. I need to ask, does Nate, Eddie, Seth have any answers to why Charlie Strong, when he panics, does the halfback dive play as opposed to just telling his team what to do? Well... Well, hold on real quick. There is a bet on this. My brother has to show up to three offices that I work for in a bunny costume that is in the Christmas story if he loses. So I need this halfback strong play to not happen. Uh, fair. Uh, I mean, you'll see it because every offense runs it. It's just the amount of times that Sterling Gilbert ran it last year was uh, comical. Um, but he's no longer here, and we've got a better offense coordinator, so we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right there. Um, you'll always see inside zone because that's a staple of pretty much any offense. Um, but 
it was the, his propensity to do that, which was the consternation of everyone uh, and the USF fan base. He was also an asshole. He was, like, man. I'm just going right. to be honest. Like, he, I'm right. sorry. Like, he was a bit of a dick. Can you tell? Oh, can you tell the Tulsa story? Oh, God. I Yeah, I guess I can because he's... The, uh, we're going to have to... We might have to... We can take it out and post if we must. Okay, I can tell... Okay. So you were in Houston with so, Connor. So uh, me, and, Connor, me, and, Connor. me and Connor went uh, to cover the game against Houston. And um, so before the game, we were getting our media credentials. And where they had USF members get their media credentials was where USF fans were getting their tickets. So we ran into Sterling Gilbert's father, who wanted to... Who knew we were covering the game and wanted to talk with us? And let me tell you, he was the nicest guy we've, we we met while we were in Texas. Like, straight up, good old guy. Like he he wanted to know who we were, like what we did, and everything like that. He barbecues uh, every Sunday for his players at his local high school. Uh, cooks a big old roast. Has a special rub that he has that he sells and makes. He's a great guy. He uh, he was gonna ship us some, but I, I think uh, I think we might have burned that bridge. Um, <laughs> but he was telling us that. Um, so way back when, when uh, Sterling Goldberg first got hired to uh, be Texas's offensive coordinator under Charlie Strong, there was another friend of his that was wanting that job named Philip Montgomery. And if you're familiar with the background on both of those, Philip Montgomery was Sterling Goldberg's head coach while they were both at Tulsa together. Philip Montgomery was interviewing, talking with Charlie Strong, wanting that job so badly. And uh, lo and behold, Mr. Sterling Goldberg won the uh, offensive coordinator job away from him. And, uh, yeah, and uh, kind of burned that bridge while he left uh, Tulsa with some burning middle fingers and uh, spicked ill from Philip Montgomery. So if you're under, if you're ever wondering why last year Tulsa seemed like they came out on fire against us. That's why. Like, they really hated us. Philip Montgomery did nothing but put Sterling Gilbert's face on every single tackling dummy and tried to just try to just destroy him. That was the only thing they wanted was to destroy Sterling Gilbert. I just wish I could get a line in Vegas on the under on wins on McNeese State this year, <laughs> next year, probably the year after as well. I mean, they're... I don't think... We've dealt with a lot of dipshit coaches in our time covering this team. Sometimes they're dipshits, but very nice people. Sometimes they're dipshits and you know, just sort of standoffish or quiet or whatever, not really offensive. But it's rare to get the combination of stupid and asshole that we had last year and the last two years in our offensive coordinator. I mean, like, it's it's kind of unprecedented. And um, I, you know, when we're, I'm handicapping the, the Bulls, you know, as I am wont to do, that win total that came out was six and a half. Instantly, that's an over. It's been bet up to seven already. I think this is an eight or nine win team pretty comfortably one because you get the schedule. This division's trash. The crossover games aren't that bad this year. But secondly, I think they're worth more wins simply because they're going to be coached by a guy that they respect and a guy who understands how to put players in space and to win. He's proven it over and over again. And I think, you know, this doesn't work in the NBA. You, you can't get a bad coach in the NBA and win 40 and then get a, the next same coach and win 60 because talent matters too much. But in college football, coaching really does matter, and scheme really does matter. And you have to fit talent. You have to fit your scheme to the talent, not talent to scheme. We've been doing talent to scheme for the last two years, and lining up Mitchell Wilcox in the backfield as a glorified fullback, which is the dumbest goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life with that kid's skill set. 
and that won't happen this year. And that's why I think we're a comfortably an eight or nine win team and probably more. You were saying. So if you don't mind, I'm going to share on my bad coach experience or not really. Um, and, and you can please cut this if it's not appropriate or not. But when remember that 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 game that that Quinton took off the chains of Willie Taggart's offense and, and blew up Syracuse, Syracuse 2015. Yeah, the game before it was Memphis. Yep. And we had Memphis. Okay. Yep. Willie so, admitted in the press conference after the game he blew it. So I was I was I, I sit not far behind the bench and and I was I knew he was on the hot seat because he was on a real hot seat with us at that point. Yep. And and I was given the good old Bronx cheer as loud as I could because I was. <laughs> I was, I was, I'm a fan and it's probably the most irrational thing I am to be as a fan of USF football, but as a fan. And so this, this really nice young lady next to me starts, we were friendly all game. Everything was going super well until I started my Bronx cheer of, we have Memphis and we not, we're we're blowing it. And so I, I just started chanting the coach's name over and over and over again because of really poor opportunities that I felt like were missed. And, and this young, nice young lady goes, you're not a fan. You, this, this is the best coach in USF history. I'm like, I, I don't know if I agree with that statement, but, <laughs> but uh, you know what? This is not going the way we expected it to go with him. And she goes, they have more talent on this field than they've ever had in the history of the program. And I said, that's where we agree. And right yeah. now we're about to be 0-3 or 1-4. 1-3. 1-3. And, and we have so much talent sitting on that sideline. And so we're on the same page. And so we have all of these great kids and, and a really poor record and a really poor opportunity. It comes down to one thing, and it's not the kids. It, it comes down to coaching. And she's like, well, you're just uh, explicative. You're just a... Uh, Oh, whatever, and I said, all due respect, uh, I'm, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna be my my irrational fan now, and I'm gonna go back to coaching, uh, yelling <laughs> coach's name, and and she goes, that's my fucking brother, asshole. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> oh my god! At that I point, that in. I had to retreat. I said, "Okay, all, you know, that's family. That's way more important." Uh, all the respect <laughs> to you. Uh, I, I respectfully disagree with the way this is going, but I'll, I'll stop being a dickhead fan. Now. Again, Matrix hormones for all your supplies and needs. What's that phone number again? There, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh man, I would have, I would have walked out of the stadium. That I would have, I would have never, I would have asked for my seats to be on the other side. Away from that. <laughs> we got one more person we got to get in here. Will, come here. Grab a microphone. Oh, all right. Will Hudson, welcome to the Bluminati Podcast. <laughs> Great to be here. Uh, Will, you are the CEO of LMTV. This uh, is true. Uh, in Dubai. Yeah. In our oh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi, yeah. You flew, or Abu Dhabi, sorry. Uh, you, you flew. Eight nine thousand miles for this game? I don't know. Yeah, I think Some, in, unfortunately, I think in kilometers nowadays. Yeah, how far? <laughs> far flight. So you came that far to come watch this team win. Uh, yeah. You follow this team as closely as anybody, literally on the other side of the world. If we're recruiting somebody, you text me, you DM me. True um, story. You are. If we have a, do we have a Dubai Alumni Association? We're and, working on it. Yes. Yeah. So really. In January, uh, USF World did a really big event that I got a chance to co-host with some other alums, and yeah, we're building a, a great team out there, and we're hoping to expand the alumni association there so you're dealing with the alumni association literally on the other side of the world literally um yeah. this game probably the best game since you and i were an undergrad maybe i mean we've been to a lot of games back in the day um yeah it's the stakes are pretty high we've got a lot to accomplish and we really want to reposition you know how we're seen so i think this game can do that can accomplish a lot uh you're excited so all right you came from the other side of the world you follow this as closely <laughs> as anyone 
Predictions I, time. Prediction. Oh, I don't know. I'll be old school. Twenty-one fourteen USF. Ooh, that's a, that's the bet the under. Take the spread. Take the under. Uh, I don't. I don't gamble, man. I'm bad at that stuff. You know that. I, but, uh, I give you my money to gamble. <laughs> it's worked it. out. It's worked out. It, it has. That's true. We are. We have been profitable the last four seasons, and we're already up on. We we made money on week zero. No comment. Um, I'm gonna go. Look, I, losing Nico really hurts because mm-hmm. run state is such an important part of playing Wisconsin. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so you lose that, but then you get KJ, and so you can play a little more eight man box. And, and they don't know how to read him. What? They don't know how to read him. Right, exactly. And I think that's, that's a huge plus. Yep. Um, the kid whose name escapes me right now, who's playing as the backup to Nico, and who's the, listed behind Nico on this. Patrick Macon. Thank you. I've heard good things. I have not seen him because I haven't been at practice yet. All I know is what you guys tell me is that he looks good and would have been competitive for the job at Mike anyway. Um, but again, I just worry about run fit against Wisconsin. I have visions of Dalvin Cook just running all yeah, over us. Yeah, that's uh, great. You know, and that's the difference between P5 and G5. It's not necessarily the skill position guys. The difference is always the lines and the ability to move people off, to move people at the point of attack. So I'm worried, but I do think that they're going to see an offense that they haven't seen. I think this is going to be the most dynamic USF has looked in two and a half years. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to play well. The play is the over, honestly. It's not the spread. I think USF can pull this off, though. Crowd's going to be lit. So lower bowl is going to be sold out. Yep. They're probably going to sell most of one of the upper decks, and they might open the other one too. So they're going to get there. Nate's shaking his head, but they're going to get there. They're not opening up the upper deck. It's two days before the game. Yeah, you you just go on Ticketmaster and literally flip a switch. Like it's it's done. They can sell the tickets. Um, a lot of upset people on StubHub if they do that. Yeah, yeah, it's going to hurt the <laughs> StubHub prices for sure. Um, you know what? This is this is dumb, but this is my heart. Uh, I I don't know. Everything just seems to be going right this year. They got the money for the indoor facility. KJ gets eligible. You know, we've had such bad karma for so long. I think it's final. The worm will turn. And it starts Friday night, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Go Bulls! USF 38, Wisconsin 34. Bulls win, Bulls win, Bulls win. <laughs> See you guys tomorrow at uh, Sparkman Wharf, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Sparkman Wharf. Um, I think that's going to be it for us. Oh, be sure. Uh, I I think they're going to stream it. Do we want to give the rest of the predictions? Yeah. Do we want to do that this year? Or? What did I, I? I mean, eight and four. Oh, no. For like the game on Friday. Are we doing oh, game, game on Friday predictions? All right. Yeah. That's the key. Nathan Bott of the Daily Stampede.com. 40, we can come back to you. 42-31 <clears throat> Wisconsin. Eddie. 45-38 USF. Seth. I'll just say if Wisconsin throws the ball 27 times, USF wins. If it's under that, Wisconsin wins. Fair. Vito, do you want to give yourself a good prediction here? We got to give scores here. So I say 38-34 Wisconsin, but they're they're in it the entire game. It's just at the very end. That was the exact same thing I said to our friends at uh, Bucky's fifth quarter. I said USF and Wisconsin are in a battle the entire time. Wisconsin comes out victorious 48-42. to They get a Jonathan Taylor... Ceiling touchdown drive right at the end. Yeah. Um, be sure tomorrow night, a huge men's soccer game at defending national champions. It's not at home. It's in Maryland. I know. I know. Oh. I know. oh, oh, oh. I was just saying it was a huge soccer game. I thought it, saying- just because it's a road game doesn't mean it's not a huge soccer game. I thought you were saying show up to it. My no. Bad. No, uh, no one will be there. Corbett will be closed. <laughs> 
USF faces off against the defending national champions, the number one team in the nation, the Maryland Terrapins, up in, I think, College Park, Maryland, right? College Park, Bubba Sparks. College, College Park, Bubba Sparks. Booty, 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 rocking everywhere. Men's soccer. Uh, Bob Uthorn, he likes to schedule tough. You better start winning games. Uh, better start winning those games, brother, because it's getting a little dicey, I'll be honest. Uh, they did win uh, the Rowdy's Cup. Big um, win, actually. That was a huge win for the USF men's program. That was a good. That was a good University of Tampa. Uh, Adrian Billhart. Uh, I think he scored. Or Bill Billhart. Billhart. It's Billhart. It's Bill it's Hart, a weird German pronunciation. I probably know. Okay. About. Um, I don't believe he scored a goal last year, and then over the summer with his summer club, he scored nine. So if he can find uh, his scoring boots, we may be all right. Um, Alex, this is a big loss. He played. Most minutes had the most points, most assists on the team. Um, he's up in Canada playing. Uh, men's soccer could – they need to do something this year. Um, I Someone asked us if what coach would be on the hot seat. I think it's Bob. I, uh, after Kiefer left – uh, it's been a couple up and down seasons, um, and we're gonna we're gonna need to start seeing uh, some results here shortly. Uh, otherwise, we saw with track uh, status quo was not okay under Michael Kelly, and if if you got to get cut, you get cut. Track and field. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you, they you started this perform. week too, I think. Yeah, you got you got uh, you got to perform, and uh, I I think it's. Time to put up uh, for Coach Butehorn and the, the men's soccer team. Um, women's soccer is going to be amazing. Uh, tough loss against Florida. I mean, when you outshoot them twenty to four and still lose two nothing, it's just corner kicks. Uh, just Denise said of, it best. I mean, sometimes soccer is just not in your favor that day. I mean, they literally had seven or eight chances in front of Florida's goalkeeper that were just amazingly getting blocked. Like it was that game should have been like six to two. There was no reason that USF should have lost that game. And yeah. there was a lot to build on that is good for USF soccer program. But, you know. Kudos to Florida's goalie yeah. as well. Yeah. Kudos to Florida's goalie. And kudos Absolutely. to uh, Deanna Rose from UF who took uh, Vien- Evelyn Vienne's spot on the uh, Canadian national team. Found that out uh, during my research. So that's fun. Yeah. That's awesome. That makes that's, me feel great, great inside. Um, anyway, um, be there. Be loud on Friday night. Um Please, for the love of God, make sure you have supplies because this hurricane may uh, may really uh, mess us up. Um, the last saw I saw is cutting straight across the state. So just be, days later, though, yeah, it's not going to affect again. But make sure you have your supplies. Okay. Just always better to prepare early than scramble around going to 15 CVSs looking for water. Lauren Pickle, don't let people that tell you to sit down at the game either. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just be careful. Have fun Friday night. Enjoy yourself. If you can get off work early, please do so. Um, my work, we're getting out at noon on Friday, so that's awesome. Um, and have fun. Uh, appreciate Seth coming on for the first time and giving us uh, infinite football wisdom. Make sure you check out those pieces before the game. We'll uh, we'll repost them here in the next couple of days just to get you prepped for it. Um, Seth makes me feel Seth makes me feel dumb about football. I'm gonna well, be honest. Cause, well, because you are. So there's that. Thanks for having me on tonight, gentlemen. <laughs> oh well, thank you and thank you, thank you uh, Matrix uh, Hormone, for sponsoring the podcast for the first half of the season. Uh, we're excited about the partnership. Um, I think uh, 
all good things will come of it and super pumped we'll see you guys friday and uh just check out the website dailystampede.com check us out on twitter at stampede sbn i'm uh bulls nathan sbn seth i think it's just your name right yeah, at seth barnador yep Vito is anthony Vito underscore got it damn hell yeah and then steeg is steeg life at robert steeg at life. robert steeg life yeah i'm gonna probably change it back to steeg life at this point okay i think i think it need to be less formal yep um just be doctor. sure to check it checks out and what, what's yours at dr leonard spelled out. at dr leonard spelled out no abbreviation all right uh that's it see you friday uh be wisconsin score more points in wisconsin Score more points in Wisconsin. You'll win every time. Yep. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.